Welcome, ladies and gents. You're listening to Speak Easy with Shay Jones. Good people. Welcome back to another episode of Speak Easy. I am Shay Jones, and today we are chatting about PWIs versus HBCUs. We'll be chatting with my sister Raven when we get to our main topic. But of course, I have my fave here with me today, my hubs, Carlos. What's up, good people? And before we get into it, we're going to rap about the ish that went down this week. Oh, Gail King. If you aren't aware, Gail interviewed former WNBA star Lisa Leslie. Her question to Lisa Leslie was basically about Kobe Bryant's legacy being tarnished because of the sexual assault charge he had in 2004, which was dismissed. She asked if it is complicated for her as a woman, and Leslie went on to say no, because that's not the person that she knows. Now, Lisa girl, she got down with the response of the media should have been more respectful and boo-boo, y'all had plenty of time to ask him that. And Gail King responded by saying that she was upset about the interview, that the network only shared a portion of the video, and it was taken out of context. Now, Auntie Gail, I'm sure you have some autonomy on the types of questions being asked. It was unacceptable in my opinion. What do you think? It was definitely unacceptable. I don't think there's just certain things. The man just passed away. There's no need to go digging in his past and bringing up old things, especially of that nature. Especially when you got a wife that's mourning the death of her husband and a child. It was unnecessary. And she even went on to say, yes, it was dismissed, but that's only because the witness didn't testify. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It was dismissed. It was dismissed. So it really, it should have never even been brought up anyway. But that was over hmm, 15, 15, 16 years ago. So I just think that at her age, I'm sure Gail King has experienced death in her family, whether close or distant, she definitely wouldn't want that to happen to her or anybody in her family. And like I said, I just felt like she has the autonomy to review these questions as a journalist and say, hey. She wrote the question. She wrote the questions. She's not going to network. No, you wrote those questions. But You, You had a plan. And you executed that plan. I just think now that is it is blowing up in your face. Now you're trying to backpedal. It's too late. Yeah. Now I do think she she should have used better judgment, ma'am. Now for all of the people out there, when is it taking it too damn far though with the death threats? Does she really have to get death threats? Yeah, I don't think those. No, nobody life should be threatened. I just think it, yeah, that's, that's a bit too, much. That's too far. That's a bit much. Like Definitely too far. So it's, I mean, like Snoop Dogg, I do think. Um, 
Like Stu thought being go- he was going in. Like <laughs> I do think he could have voiced his opinion differently though. Right, he could have pulled back some, but Snoop was going in. Like he it, it was like no filter. Even DL Hughley kind of had DL Hughley had a lot to say as well. You know, and I like yes guys are watching clothes again today. Um, but I like DL Hughley, but I do think that he they were going in on Gail, which I I'm mad at Gail too, but I just don't think I had I would have given my energy to the point of the things that they were saying. Like Snoop Dogg, he was he was he should have used more tactfulness when he said what he said. Like, did he really have to call the lady a funky dog head bee and accusing her of trying to tarnish his MF and homeboy's reputation and telling her to back off before they go and get her. Who is they and who are they going to get? Right. I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I just don't think she deserved that. Of course, he went back and clarified his statements by saying he was speaking up for those people who thought that Gail King was being disrespectful towards Kobe Bryant and his family. I agree wholeheartedly. Yes. Yes, she should have used more tactfulness in her approach, which I really don't think it had absolutely anything to do with his death. Like, she should have focused on their friendship. You know, it was that's what it was about. It was talking about his legacy. So, why even throw that in there? Exactly. If we're talking about someone's legacy and it's their death, like, I just don't understand. Why does the media do that? It's for, for a story. All for it's a story? For, all for a story. You know, I majored in mass communications, right? I know. But I did public relations. And I even if I were interviewing someone, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have the gall to say to somebody that Oh, yeah, he's great, but what about that time when this and this and this happened? It's just like when you go to a black funeral, people be whispering to the side about what this person had, how much money did they get, what was the insurance policy. That's what basically she showed the world in a sense of what's going on behind the scenes, which, you know, in the black community, you keep the business to yourself and we don't talk about that stuff when people die. You keep that stuff. Right. You hold on. You to respect that. the dead. You respect the dead. You respect you hold, the dead. You hold on to that. You had your chance to ask those questions. Like she said, y'all had plenty of time. Y'all had all, all the time in the world to ask those questions. So now that he's gone, don't go around asking people stuff like that, like bringing up that, bringing up old dirt. Yeah. Like that's. You know, they even asked Oprah Winfrey about Gail. And a lot of people were upset with Oprah Winfrey and her statement or her comments about Oprah Winfrey. I mean, about Gail King. And I just think with social media and the media that people get a hard time just for making comments about certain things. And who's to say that Oprah Winfrey didn't have that courageous conversation with Gail King and say, girl, you know, you was wrong for asking that question. Who's to say? We don't know what their conversations are. Yeah, but we I don't. just I just think that 
it was a little bit too far as far as the death threats. You but know? as a friend, you should let her know you should have went there. Most definitely. But we don't know <clears throat> if she even said that. But I mean, the way she kind of defended her on on the show where she was being interviewed, it seemed like. I mean, if it was your friend, would you defend your friend? Defending uh, them. Okay, so if it were uh, me, if it were me, your wife, because you know you always defend me in public, but behind closed doors, you'll tell me if I'm wrong about something. Right. So but I think that's different because you're my wife. Okay, if I were <laughs> if I were your wife interviewing Lisa Leslie, would you defend me? I would defend you to the point where I let everybody know that she made a mistake. She's now dealing with that mistake. But to say that, you know, like she was going like she's hurting and she starts showing emotion and crying. Like, I just felt like that was a front. You know, like. You think she was backsliding? Yeah. Like, come on. But did you see that Bill Cosby tweeted Snoop Dogg? (laughs) How he do that? First of all, sir, if he even tweeted it. (laughs) How he do that? Isn't he blind? (laughs) Bill? Like, who tweeted it for him? <laughs> Let me see if I can find that tweet. Like, okay. So, I, first of all, he can have a phone. Do they sneak uh, him a phone? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just, mm, first of all, Bill Cosby, be quiet. Um, <laughs> I just don't even think you even have a leg to stand on to even tweet anybody anything especially commenting on something as far as the sexual misconduct thing because sir sir and sir you should definitely stay <laughs> away from this topic subject just stay in your place he called his uh cell a gated community did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, he called it a gated community. Sir, <laughs> have several. I, mean, I guess you got to make the most of what what you got, huh? But he was thanking Snoop Dogg for standing up for um for um Kobe Bryant. So I don't know who's operating his Twitter <laughs> account. But he said that it's so sad and disappointing that successful black women are being used to tarnish the image and legacy of successful black men, even in death. And he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he did most, a whole bunch of hashtags like stop tearing down black men and enough is enough. And he also said, um, when they brought me to my gated community and placed me inside of my penthouse, They didn't win, nor did they silence me. It's so sad and disappointing. And he went on to say, are these people in need of fame, ratings, and or money? On behalf of myself, Camille, and my family, thank you. My heartfelt prayers are with Kobe and his family, as well as with Michael Jackson and his family. May their legacies live on forever. Now, Bill, Bill Cosby. (laughs) <laughs> now it is safe to say that his legacy 
even though he was the TV dad for people, his yeah. legacy definitely tarnished. Absolutely. I don't even think he can compare to the Kobe Bryant situation at all. I just think you need to have several seats, sir, and stay out of this because you were putting on a big front for these people and behind closed doors, you was doing some foul stuff. Yeah. So, you know, he was living wrong. So you have this sweatshirt that I like, and it says on your sweatshirt that the black woman is the black man's responsibility. Now, the first person to come out about Bill Cosby was Beverly Johnson. But I think the situation was sensationalized when several white women came out and saying that Bill Cosby did that to them as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think that black men stand up for black women the way that black women stand up for black men? Not really. Because... This day and age now, black women are so driven by independence where they feel like they don't need the black man anymore. But so, have we ever needed the black man? Uh, I think you can answer that question. Um, we do, but you know, <laughs> we we need black men. I think we lift black men up. But I also think that black men don't reciprocate. For example, Terry Crews with the Gabrielle Union situation where she felt like she was experiencing racism. And he went on national TV to say, well, I haven't felt that way. But when he, you know, he was a part of the Me Too movement, you know, and she defended him in his experience, even though she did not experience what he experienced. So do you think in that case he reciprocated that situation? Regardless of if he thought or didn't know if she experienced racism, do you think he had a better way? He could have went about it a different way. He probably could have went about it a better way. A better way. What could he have said? What could he have done or said? I mean Here's what I think. I think he definitely could have said, um, I support her. Even if I have not experienced racism myself, I definitely share or support her decision to step down because she may have very well experienced that. He said, I don't, he could have said, I don't know that she has, but he definitely could have supported her versus throwing her under the bus. You know, yeah, I think you always support them if they feel if they feel that way. Yeah. So, but anywho, um, at the end of the day, Gail, you should have used common sense, sis. Common <laughs> sense, and you should have read those questions, and you should have said, mm, "I don't think this is gonna fly," and left it at that. Right. So, that's the ish that went down this. Now, we could go on and on and on about this topic, but we have to move on. So we're chatting about PWIs, which are predominantly white institutions versus HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. It wouldn't be an episode without a little bit of history 
in this good black history month. The first colleges for African Americans were created through the federal agency known as the Freedmen's Bureau during Reconstruction. That is after the Civil War, people. After the Civil War. Morehouse, Tuskegee, Hampton, and Shaw University were among the first, just to name a few. People like W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington were pivotal in the creation of the HBCU. The purpose was to provide educational opportunities to to African Americans who were once legally denied an education. What a lot of people may not know is that early HBCUs were founded by white Americans like Howard and Spellman. John D. Rockefeller provided financial support to Morehouse and the Tuskegee Institute. Fast forward to the integration of schools. People like James Meredith integrating the University of Mississippi, Vivian Malone, integrating University of Alabama, and of course, our very own Hamilton Holmes and Charlene Hunter, integrating the University of Georgia. Now, here's the argument of PWI versus HBCU. Why did you choose the school that you chose? And again, we're chatting with my faves, my hubs, Carlos, and my sister Raven. Say what's up to the people, guys. Hello. What's up, people? All right. So, Raven, you chose to go to a PWI. Why did you choose to go to a PWI? Um, honestly, I toured a few big PWIs like Auburn and Clemson. And I really loved the campus, and I knew I wanted to work in sports. And I just knew that a PWI would put me on the platform to have that opportunity. And on the other hand, I did go to school in DeKalb County, and I just felt like it was just ratchet. And I just needed a, a, a change of scenery. And when I was in high school, that's the picture that was portrayed to us for for like HBCUs and that's the the vibe that was given off. Not saying that's what the HBCUs are ratchet or anything like that. Definitely that, not. But that's what was that's the vibe that was given when I was in high school. So I wanted something different and I just wanted to be around different people and like just to diversify myself more. So that's really why I chose PWI. Okay. Well did you was it a culture shock for you when you got to the PWI? Um, and let's be clear, your school was a PWI, but there was a lot of black folks that went to your school. Just saying. Yeah, I was like, it wasn't not really for me because I don't know. I guess if you put yourself in, in into those situations for you to to be culturally shocked, like yes, it really hits you more. Like it, people, I feel like when a lot of situations arise, people get into it with others of different races, and they feel like they. Or they get called out there, out of their way. Like, they usually put themselves in that position. If I just mind my business, I stuck to the crew that I knew. We we went together. Everywhere we everywhere we need to be, we didn't leave nobody out. And we didn't have to be in those situations. So it wasn't really like a cultural shock. Everybody just did their own thing. I, I have a lot of white friends. I have a lot of black friends. And I, I know I have to carry myself accordingly based on who I'm hanging out with. But it was never, like, a big thing for me. Okay. What about the culture aspect? You know, um, Carlos and I both attended HBCUs. Him attending Allen 
University and then Fort Valley and me attending Southern University. What did you miss the culture piece of going to an HBCU? No, I don't. I, I feel like I don't. I don't think I did because when you go to a PWI, it makes you find the black people and you all become like your own community. Like Black GSU, we were our own family. We went to all of our events together. I was a part of all the minority organizations on campus. Everybody who was in one organization was probably in the next. Like, once you got involved, that's how you got to know people, and that's how you really found your people. And so I feel like if you if you're not getting involved and you're not like embracing your community, then you're gonna feel like you're missing the culture. But it, it's there. You just have to like really dive into it. But does that create divisiveness within a school? Having to join a minority group to feel like you belong? Um, no, it kind of gives you like a sense of like, it, it makes you more confident because you have to realize like we are at the PWI, like the name associated with our school, we are considered to be a minority. And so we have to stick together because if we don't, then they will have the upper hand on us. So it makes us be a family. Like, yeah, it's like you might beef with your family. Like, y'all might hate each other. Y'all going y'all beefing about whatever situation may happen. But when the enemy comes, y'all, y'all going to stand together and everybody going to come together as one. And I think, like, that was through everything that happened in my four years of school. I think that was the thing I love the most about Black GSU. Like, we never, we never left anyone hanging. It just sounds so separate, you know. Yeah. It just sounds like uh, the black GSU. I've never heard you refer to it as the black GSU. Wow. Because I don't. I mean, I don't really. I, I'm living in every community, so I don't really have to hold on to the black GSU community because I have a. I like. I'm really cool with a lot of the white sororities. I'm good with the Asian people. I'm good with the Africans. I'm good with everybody. <laughs> so I don't really. My uh, black GSU is cool, and I love them, but. I don't really have to hang on to that. So I don't really need that sense of entitlement because I can I can maneuver myself and put myself in situations to thrive in any community. Good deal, good deal. And guys, when she's talking about the Black GSU, she's talking about Southern, not State. Georgia Southern, not Georgia State, guys. Okay. Yes. All right. So got a comment. The comment says, "I asked on Facebook. I said, which is better, a PWI or an HBCU?" And the comment was, it's an unnecessary beef. Um, This person says, I went to a PWI and there seems to be this consensus that those of us who didn't choose HBCUs somehow hate ourselves and or those who didn't make the same choice. For them, that thinking usually brings a huh or what are you talking about? People choose what they choose for their own personal reasons. Do you guys agree or disagree? I agree. Yeah, I, I, I feel like every. Go ahead, I, no, I go ahead. Um, I, I I would have to agree. Like everybody has their own personal reasons. Like for example, I know two people at Georgia Southern who transferred to Georgia Southern from HBCU, and I asked them like, seriously, after experiencing both schools, which do you think is better, and why do you think you switched? And both of them gave the same exact response. 
they went to an HBCU for the culture and they knew like that's what that's what they were supposed to do and they was gonna love the black community and everybody was gonna be the same. But when they got there they realized like it was too much of a party for them and the business aspect was something that they felt like they needed more more structure at a PWI and the more opportunities they could get at a PWI and that's why they transferred. So I feel like it's just based on you know your major and what you wanna do with your life. And see, I've been on the other end of that where I've been around people who transferred from a PWI to a HBCU. And it was the complete opposite. Like, they, they felt like they needed the smaller classroom size where they can get more of the one-on-one aspect from teachers and their professors. That was me. I definitely needed the smaller environment. I definitely did. I, I just don't think I would function appropriately in a large atmosphere or classroom environment. Not to say that we didn't have large classes, but it probably wasn't over 60 people in those general classes when I took them at my school. Oh, no, my freshman year, my class was averaging 300. Science classes, you don't at least have at least like 250 in your science class. And I mean, Math and classes. and that's taught by what? That's taught by a... A teacher's aide, probably not the actual professor himself. Did you? No, the, the classes were taught. The, the two hundred people classes were taught by teachers, but the labs were definitely taught by aides, and those were about thirty people in labs. You know, I hated taking labs. Like I really did. That was the most pointless crap yeah. ever. They tried to make us climb in a lake for our lab. I said, "Me." You know, I just. Mm, Especially taking biology. I was not a fan of science in college. Let's just say I dropped biology like two or three times. Um, and I had to take it in, like when I absolutely needed to take it to graduate. I mean. Uh, you know what's crazy? Same. I, I skipped one of my science classes until it was the very last minute. And I had to take a physics class. Well, I actually right took, I, I took physical science. Yeah, I took physical. Which I didn't take physical science in high school. I went from biology to chemistry to physics. So that was new, and it was, you cheated in there? Well, hey. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> um, so for me, going to an HBCU was what I wanted to do. I mean, that's just what it was, because on my dad's side, they all went to HBCUs. They went to Morris Brown and Albany State. So that's what I grew up knowing. You're going to go to an HBCU, and I'm like, okay, that's where I'm going. You know, so I chose to go to Southern University and the um, large school, LSU, one of the largest schools was in the same city as my school. But you had Southern on one side, you had LSU on the other side. And of course, the um, black students that went to LSU, sometimes it came off like they felt as if they were a little bit better than but when it came to our homecomings and our homecoming concerts and things like that, they would be there. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you you yearned for the culture, but the education piece was not good enough, in my opinion. So and, you know, in high school, it was a, it was a group of us. It was four of us. Two of us went to HBCUs. The other two went to um top schools um like university of maryland and um 
Duquesne. So my good friend Brian, he went to Duquesne. And Tasha, she went to University of Maryland. Kenneth went to Alcorn and I went to Southern. So it was two totally different experiences. And I asked Tasha about the PWI versus HBCU. And she told me, she said, you know what? When you told me you had to take a bowling class as an elective, she was like, I got so mad. Because I was like, my elective class was a women's studies class. (laughs) I was like, well, it is considered to be a physical ed class. You know, it's an elective. You choose what you want to take as an elective. So I was like, bowling it is. (laughs) What? I mean, it was only worth one credit. It was a it was an actual sport. Like we had an actual bowling team in the swag. Like it was for real. So, you know, if you have a bowling alley at your school and you can take a class, by all means take it. I mean they have so many different classes. Right. It's so it's so many that you wouldn't think. Like we had one of one of our classes was like handball pickleball. It was like, man, what is that? It's almost like it was like dodgeball. I mean, running was an elective. <laughs> a jogging class was an elective. Right. Like, I mean, Southern has a walking class as an elective. Right. They just walk. I, I, okay, I, I, <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah. Or jazzercise, or <laughs> those were for real electives. And so, you know, I mean, I feel like those types of courses, like women's studies courses, those just come with the territory. I mean, a lot of those courses fell in our social sciences. So if we wanted to take that, we could you know, take a women's studies course. Um, a lot of people say that the opportunities are better if you attend a PWI, which I, I definitely disagree with. I think it depends. I just and think... Because, see, a lot of people look at prestige. So True. If, so if you didn't go to one of the prestigious... HBCUs, the ones that they know, because they see it in the they see it in the news, they see it on TV, they see it in the paper. Then, like a lot of people don't know Fort Valley State. I mean, if you're not from Georgia, you don't know Fort Valley State. So, but still, they don't they don't know Fort Valley State. True. But if I say Morris, if I say Morehouse, true. Spelman, I say Clark Atlanta, they're gonna know those schools. Yeah, they'll know. I just think that um, with the HBCU, you add the networking piece in there. I was like, I feel like in in this time now in twenty twenty, it's not even about names anymore. It's really just solely based off who you know. Like you, you don't have to know anything about any of the the position, but if you know the CEO or someone in the company, then you're already in. So I feel like we're, we're losing more value with names and more so just like networking and actually knowing people. But you know, the sad part about HBCUs is that a lot of them are losing money and funding and a lot of them are closing. And it, a lot of that is to blame for putting us in those positions where they have to deal with the finances and things like that. Um, right. Losing accreditation. I mean, you know, but I will say Going to an HBCU definitely um, taught me independence. Um, 
it taught me a lot. I just remember, which I know it probably wouldn't be like this. I'm hoping it's not like this to this day. But I remember standing in the financial aid line for almost eight hours. I remember I worked at AT AT&T at night. I got off that morning, went and got in line at the mini dome and stood in line for eight hours, eight hours. hours. Well, they eventually let us in and we could actually sit down, but it was an eight hour line. I offered them to press four keys to push my financial aid through. Now, <laughs> really, now it wasn't like you could send it. That was totally my purpose because I just hate doing fast. So this is the stupidest thing I've ever encountered in my life. <laughs> but. <laughs> but, okay, so going to. Like I said, some places have not gotten it advanced. Like um, my brother-in-law, he goes to a smaller HBCU and they're still doing things by paper. And I'm like, you can't do it online. You can't do this online. You can't do that online. What do you mean? Who's not doing anything online? So it's it. They have a long way to go. It's a little antiquated, in my opinion. But I'm hoping now at Southern University they are not holding eight-hour lines for people to simply get their financial aid because that would just be outrageous at this point in time. I mean, even with you going to school, we didn't have to stay on top of GSU. It was just automatic. And not to say that it's better than, but it's like the business was handled. What one person... what. 12 people are hired to do at an HBCU. That school probably has maybe two people that work in financial office. That's not so I said that to say. The I just don't understand. It would be like, oh, this person, just like in high school, this person does A through such and such. Or that person does M through Z. Like that made absolutely no sense. But I don't ever remember having an issue when you were going through school or even getting you in and doing everything it was simple everything was done online you didn't have to go there you didn't have to talk to anybody you didn't have to get an attitude (laughs) I mean it was just a seamless process and not saying that it doesn't happen at HBCUs now but in my experience it did not happen well I I don't I don't I didn't ever have God. That was a totally different story. Like you used to have to hound those people to to do that job. Ugh, and that's such a. Reason, and it was so. It was a small HBCU, so they and they only had maybe one or two people in there, and they used to take forever for stuff to get done. Like we used to get our refund checks when we were getting ready to go home for Christmas break. Oh, oh honey, <laughs> <laughs> listen. Um, when I taught high school, I teach middle school now, but when I taught high school, I used to take my students on college tours and we went to South Carolina. We visited University of South Carolina. Then we went to Allen University. And what's the one across the street? Benedict. 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 Oh, my God. Ooh. You get surprised me that the standard for them to get into the school was so low. So, so low. It's like so we're willing to accept anybody to keep the doors open 
And I felt so bad because my students were like, ugh, don't ever bring us back here. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you, and that was my first time getting a negative response from the students in that manner. They were like, oh, my God, like, why? Why are we going here? And yeah. it was like, I'm so sorry that you had to go there. But it, it wasn't that bad when I was up there. Back in it was better? Yeah, it was better than what it was when we went a couple years ago. Okay, first of all, these two schools are across the street from one another. Let's be clear. Literally. Literally. They're, they're, um, admissions office was like an old grocery store like that they had yeah. gutted out See, and <laughs> that used to be the food lion when I was up there and so that's their admissions yeah, office store, attached to it was the rec room I was I was not impressed I was upset and I never took my students back <laughs> so yeah but I mean they've been to you know I think HBCUs have to do a better job of getting students to want to come to their school. Because what I did, I would take them to a predominantly white institution, most more so than often it would be a bigger school, and I would take them to an HBCU. We would do two in one day. And a lot of times they would favor the PWIs because they had more things to offer the amenities, the food was even better, you know. The no shared rooms. That was, I'm not even going to lie. The whole fact that I could have my own room was a, a huge factor in where I went to school. Because I was not going to share a room with another person. But, you know, now that more of the HBCUs are moving towards that type of housing. Because when we went to Fort Valley State, when we went on a college tour, they had that, the same type of housing that you had. It, when you went to Georgia Southern. So it's changing. Um, I see a lot of schools are being combined. Um, mm-hmm. Is it they, Albany, uh, Albany State, one of the schools being combined? Yeah, Albany State. Um, and they got like, some smaller schools around Albany. And um, they're talking about, well, they tried to talk about Georgia Southern buying Savannah. Mm. Yeah, I heard about that one. Yeah. Savannah needs some work. They definitely need some work. Well, they, was, they've already bought another smaller school, so they like their Statesboro is trying to take over Savannah and make like that the new Statesboro. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. So yeah, we have another comment that we received on um, Facebook, and that comment also says that they think it's a ridiculous beef. <laughs> between the PWI and the HBCU. Um, This person says, I don't think I'm any less of a black man because I bounced around to a couple different PWIs. In fact, I was able to go to a couple of prestigious PWIs and I don't think that made me white or something. It was definitely a culture shock coming from an all black neighborhood, but it definitely helped me once I started working in a world where I wasn't the majority. I don't know how that works at an HBCU because I've never went to one. But the PWI exposed me to things and relationships, good and bad, that I never saw in high school. So obviously this person also went to a predominantly black high school. So, I agree with everything you say. You said you agree? Yeah. I guess it wasn't like that for me. 
it, it wasn't like that for me. I, I just always, it was instilled in me that HBCUs is where it was at. And I enjoy every bit and every moment of it. Like I said, it made me independent. It taught me to work. It taught me to handle my business um, on my own versus depending on my mom and my dad, which I don't do that anyway. But it just made me more self-sufficient. Let me say that. But I think like back when y'all were graduating high school. Wait, wait! Don't say it like I'm old or some. Don't, don't, don't. Wait a minute. Hold on. Back when y'all, y'all. Let's be clear. Okay. Well, anyway. (laughs) Um, When y'all were graduating, HBCUs was like was probably the pro thing. But when we graduated, it was. HBCs, everything we've been saying, like the long financial aid lines, the old creepy room, sharing your room, like the HBCUs weren't talked about in positive light. So I don't think most of my like generation or most of my class wanted that outlook. And like I know like a lot of people I graduated with went to Georgia State or Georgia Southern. A few of them went to Savannah State because Savannah had like a nicer campus, but HBCUs just weren't something that was that were bragged about for us. I get it. I get it. But I mean, in all in all, I just think it's based on your preference, what you're looking mm-hmm. for, what's on your pros and cons list, what suits you, and what do you think you're going to benefit from the most? Well, my situation, mm-hmm. I was the first person in my family to go to a four-year institution. So it wasn't, we didn't Everything with us was a it was a first time. It was a learning curve mm-hmm. between HBCUs and PWIs. I didn't really know anything about HBCUs outside of the ones that were in Atlanta. In Atlanta, true. And and when I first started looking into schools, I want all my all my choices were PWI. I wanted I wanted to go to Georgia. I want to go to Georgia Southern. Those were some of my first choices until I couldn't I couldn't get the score that I need to get in them. Then I then I had to fall back. I guess I gotta go to HBCU now. But why is that the the narrative? Oh, if I can't get in here, I gotta go here. Is it because you're gonna be accepted? Because more than likely you're gonna be accepted. Yeah, that's why accepted. True, true, true. Um. So what do you think about being at a large institution where you're just a number? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Do you think that was your case? No. Well, I don't I don't think so because Georgia Southern was a, is a huge campus. Like we have our campus is huge, but we have a very like small feel and I don't know. I think I have a biased opinion because I was I was heavily involved in a lot of student activities. Like I was known in a lot of dean offices, so I didn't feel like I was just another number. Like I knew I had people I could call on. Like if I needed a recommendation letter, and I still have those relationships. If I need to call someone, I do. So I don't. I think it's just if you go to those big universities where you feel like you're just going to be another number, you have to find ways to make yourself stick out. If you just if you allow yourself to just be another number and to just do the bare minimum, then you will be there. Okay. Now 
I've heard, oh, it's harder at a PWI than it is at an HBCU as if the curriculum is better or it's easier or whatever people may think. I, I don't agree with that. I don't. You think it's, I mean, nobody's really laid out a curriculum and said, oh, this is harder because I've looked at both curriculums. <laughs> I mean, right. it's what it is. I mean, you take econ, I take econ. You take, I, I mean. I think just the way of the level where it was Because you had some teachers who would make sure that you understood the information versus I'm just going to give you this stuff and you get it or you don't. Listen, I had an African American literature class, and that lady was hard. And I like literature, and I like history, but that little old lady, she was, she was tough. And I don't know how she made it every day because she was on a cane, but she was definitely tough. So I just can't say that the curriculum is harder because nobody has really ever laid it out to say these two are compared. This is this, and this is that. You know, it is what it is. Um, I find that at any institution, there are a lot of um, foreign teachers at these institutions, both white and black. And they can be pretty tough, especially if you can't understand. Like my technical writing teacher, she was from India. Like I had no clue as to what 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 she was saying or anything. So I just can't agree with the curriculum being better than. But um, I I don't agree with if I go to a PWI, it prepares me for the real world. Do you think that's different? I think that comes with values, yeah. your value system at home. Or if you were exposed to different things, like if you were not, then of course it's going to be hard for you to be successful in the real world i guess but so that i think it's more of a switch you gotta know how to turn it on and turn it off oh most definitely <clears throat> so like do you use your pwi voice raven when you go to certain places <laughs> of course <laughs> I, I i am the queen at turning it on and off like i have my work mentality i have my friend mentality i have my white friend group mentality like you, just, you gotta know how to you, turn right. it on and off that's, that's the only way you'll survive Exactly. Um, it even translate over into, like, say, the, the work profession because, and with my job, I work around a diverse group of people. So I know when I'm around this this clique of people, I know, okay, I can I, I relate more to them. But when I'm around mm-hmm. the other side, yeah, I have to be different. Mm-hmm. But you know what? A lot of people say you come across a wide range of people from different from different backgrounds and ethnicities. But if you take if you pay close attention to HBCUs, there are a lot of ethnicities that attend HBCUs. Now they do play sports, so you have like especially with baseball. Baseball, depending on where you are at these HBCUs, like Bethune, heavily with a Dominican population. Even Savannah State has a heavy Dominican population as far as their baseball team. So I just think that 
for one, they can offer these scholarships to these people. It's cheaper. It's definitely cheaper than going to a huge institution like a UGA or a Clemson or Auburn. So, you know, you still get the same education. You just not the cost is not as as much, you know, so it just depends. Like at Southern, you know, we had a law center. A lot of white people or Caucasian people went to the law school at Southern University. So it just depends on what's being offered and, you know, the reputation of the school. So, well, thank you so much, Raven. We appreciate your time today to talk with us about your thoughts on PWI versus HBCU. And we look forward to talking to you in future podcast episodes. Of course, anytime. Well, that's all we have for you today. I want to thank my husband, Carlos, and my sister, Raven, for stopping by and chatting with me today. But before we get out of here, be sure to follow me on my social media at SpeakEasyShayJ. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and or comment. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Be good, be easy, and be great, Speak Easy family.